Welcome to Light Warrior Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Karen Can. I'm supporting this sexy, raspy voice, as you can hear, uh, but that's all okay because life goes on. Um, and today I'm really excited, uh, Light Warrior Radio. You know, we here are um, very excited about people that are making a difference in the world, creating heaven on earth. Uh, and uh, before I give you more details of today's show, love for you to get my free Sensitive Soul Empowerment Guide, Three Ways of Navigating Your Way to More Peace, Positivity, and Personal Power. Uh, so you can actually live the life of your dreams and um, make a difference in the world. You can get that at SensitiveSoulGuide.com. So that's all one word, SensitiveSoulGuide.com. And today with me I have Jim Gale, and he is the creator of uh, what's really amazing is this name, Food Forest Abundance. I mean, the first time I saw this, I'm like, oh, I got to click on that. Like, right? I can't even remember who referred us, but so interesting because I had heard of permaculture forever ago. My first husband um, actually got um, certified in permaculture in Spain. I uh, was very interested in it, but then he didn't really do anything uh, with it. Um, he went into construction and he didn't really do anything with it, and I was probably the least green thumb person I knew at the time. So I love the idea of it. And my guest is going to talk about like what exactly that is and what is a food forest. But here's the thing, is the idea of having my wild yard, <laughs> my five acres, um, as a food forest is highly appealing to me. My problem is that my feeble attempts in the past to grow food and I know some of you gardeners are probably rolling your eyes laughing, but seriously, uh, yeah, tried to grow a lot of things. Probably the wrong time, didn't understand the seedling thing, blah, blah, blah. Too much water, too much whatever. Uh, well, it wasn't very successful. And so my, my mini success is I have an indoor kind of a hydroponic system. Has its issues as well, but I, at least I was able to grow lettuce. <laughs> Um, so here's the thing, um, you know, Jim has uh, a great way of encouraging people to grow food for us instead of lawns, and is passionate about bringing awareness to the harms of, uh, you know, the pesticides and the herbicides. And, and a friend of mine recently said that she used to love walking bare feet everywhere until she realized her feet were absorbing the poisons of people's lawns. And then she stopped, you know, walking in bare feet and getting the benefit of grounding and earthing. And uh, so I thought, thought about that. I was like, wow, that, that's really true. Um, so Jim Gale is the founder of the Food Forest Abundance, a permaculture design and installation company, pioneering a greener, more abundant world by transforming ordinary spaces. And you do not have to have five acres like I do, okay? By transforming ordinary spaces into edible oases that is not only good for our health, but also our planet. So their achievements include amazing things like 700 plus food forests in development, over 50 states, 50 countries. Um, he's got 140 installation plus installation teams. Um, past projects include elementary schools, churches, celebrity homes, vacation rentals. Um, current projects include wellness centers, orphanages, residences, prisons, resorts, and of course farms. Just um, so amazing. So Jim is um, a permaculture advocate. Uh, entrepreneur, CEO. He's dedicated his life to transforming the way we interact with our environment. We definitely need people like Jim uh, and his team in the world. 
um, fueled by faith and courage, he's honed his ability to manifest success through the practice of inspired visioning and meditation. So this isn't just about you know growing food. It really is how do we as a society grow into a better version of ourselves. And so that's really, really uh, fascinating. Um, and Jim, I'm going to let uh, him tell his story. Um, so without further ado, welcome, Jim. So great to have you here. Oh, hello, Dr. Karen. It's wonderful to be here. I'm so thankful to be able to share this message. And it's a profound and very inspiring message. Everybody can grow food. It's easier than most people think once we know how to do it. And that's what the permaculture design is all about. It's about taking all of the knowledge, all of the wisdom of God's design, of nature, and putting it into a science and the science is called permaculture, and it is literally and demonstrably the solution to all of the world's biggest problems. And I don't say that lightly. Cancer, diabetes, heart disease, mass extinction, deforestation, world hunger, and tyranny will wow. all be solved when we achieve mass adoption of permaculture. Whoa, that's a, that's a big mouthful. So tell us. Uh, how did you start on this journey? What was your what was your journey uh, in you know creating what you've the amazing feats that you've created with this company? I love it. So when I was a kid, my friends called me Nature Boy. I have always been in love with the natural system. I grew up on a little lake, and we had I went fishing every day, and I was always catching frogs and turtles and snakes and playing in the pond and bringing tadpoles home and doing things that my mom would just shake her head and clean my clothes. And then as I grew up, I started traveling different places, and I was always intrigued by going to natural places. Or even if I did go to somewhere like a big city, as soon as I would be able to get out of the city and into the country and observe the natural wildlife, that's exactly where I wanted to be is connected to the natural systems. Mm. And then in 2007, after I started a mortgage company that I, I wrote my goals when I was 29, and I was dead broke at the time. I had been traveling. I had been backpacking. And I spent all my money traveling through all these countries and, and meeting a lot of people from different cultures. And when I got home, I had goals to be retired in three years, which was silly. It was based on my immaturity to even want to be retired. But in three and a half years, I started a company that went from zero to $1.3 billion in revenue. Wow. And I then got out of that business. It was the mortgage industry. I bought a boat. I lived on the ocean for a year, and I was bored silly on the ocean. So I uh, moved to Costa Rica. <laughs> And it was in Costa Rica where I learned permaculture. I also learned what was going on in the world, and I learned that the world is controlled by poisons and poison producers. Mm. And I had my first two daughters, and oh. that was my biggest catalyst is having kids. Wow. Yeah. That was an beautiful. incredible ride. Yeah. And so you know, what kind of community were you in? Well, I was actually creating our own communities because once I started learning what the problems of our world were and also what the solutions were, in fact, this is very relevant. Like when, when a lot of people out there are watching the news and they're spending time 
watching and debating all of the problems of the world. Mm. But that creates anxiety and stress mm-hmm. and the belief in scarcity, which is the ultimate lie in this system. Right. There's no scarcity. There's just the illusion of scarcity and the practice of scarcity. So when I, I was going down the rabbit hole and I read Bill Mollison's quote, Bill Mollison is one of the founders of permaculture, and he wrote, though the problems of our world are increasingly complex, the solutions remain embarrassingly simple. And I started to bawl. And I started focusing from that moment forward on the solutions with every ounce of my being for the sake of everything that I hold dear. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's so interesting when you said the, the practice of scarcity. Like we can think about a meditation practice or yoga practice, right? But I never really thought about it the other way around. You know, the practice of scarcity and, and, the, and the shift of what is it that we put in our heads and see every day. Um, yeah. And when you look on the TV now, like we're entering in the U.S., this election year or whatever, right? And, and it's all started again, uh, you know. Um, and what people are seeing is, uh, well, they did it wrong or whatever. I mean, that's all they're seeing. But um, it's like, can we please have people focus on the solutions, things we know actually work, as opposed to, like, false solutions or, the, you know, whatever. And think people are really getting uh, annoyed and bored of the same rhetoric over and over again. So I, I love that, that, that you got that huge wake-up call you're, you're, or wake-up moment. Yeah. It, it sure is, Karen. You're speaking my language, too. And I very much want to come back to this election season that we're in. Um, I'd first like to kind of create a picture in everybody's minds of what the world will be like in the future. When you walk outside of your house in the future, or when you're walking through a city park or a schoolyard or even a prison, you will be surrounded by butterflies and birds and bees and every sight and color and smell and taste. You will be surrounded by the frequency of a place reminiscent of the Garden of Eden, a place of epic abundance everywhere. And by the way, that's what I now have in in Florida at my homestead. I can walk outside right now, and there are 230 different types of food growing. And this is perennial edible landscapes. Now, for those who don't know what a perennial is, an annual is a crop that you plant once, like a typical garden, and then you harvest the crop, and then the next spring you plant new seeds. That's an annual plant. A perennial plant is something that you plant once and it continuously provides exponential abundance for Mm. generations to come. That sounds good to me. (laughs) Yes. It's so much easier. So that's what we have is we have a a community of perennial Mm. edible plants. And my friend in northern Minnesota has his food forest makes mine look like a baby. He has 300 different types of food growing in northern Minnesota, and it's absolutely paradise. Wow. Northern Minnesota. Okay, so wait a second. Northern Minnesota is pretty cold. You can, you can have this in the northern cold climates? 
in Arizona, Minnesota, Poland, Czechoslovakia, even in the deserts of Jordan. It's all different. It's very different. Every plant, or almost every plant, will be different in northern Minnesota than we have here in Florida. Right? Mulberries have a great range, right? And there's some plants that have a pretty good range, but most plants are specific to a particular climate. So the first thing that the permaculturalists will do is they'll find the plants that are already successful in your climate. Oh, okay. Well, you know, one of the farmers um, that I, you know, we, we, we support at the farmer's market, they were growing fruit trees, taking them years, you know. And I said, wait a second, you're growing fruit trees like here? And they said, you'd be surprised. These fruit trees are really hardy. You know, they'll, they'll actually go through winters and stuff like that. Well, I'm looking at my land going, I have no idea what to do with it, <laughs> right? I mean, I'd buy it, but then I'd be sitting there going, well, I don't know where to plant it. Like, well, I don't know how to take care of it. Like, how big a hole do I dig? No idea, right? So I didn't do anything. But I just thought it was really interesting to learn that in northern upstate New York, which I think it's hilarious we call it the northern country here because I'm from Canada, and all of Canada is north of here. So they call it the north country. Yep. We just go, <laughs> very funny, guys. Um, anyway, but the whole North Country, we've got like what five feet of snow, right? In the middle of winter, like I, I'm clueless, like what's going to survive in this? So it's really great to hear from you that what you're saying is like, hey, different locations will have different plants that work for that location. Yes, a hundred percent. And the amount of plants and the variety and diversity of food crops that can grow in perennial ways in your climate is absolutely mind-blowing it's so beautiful like my buddy's got eight different types of kiwi growing in northern minnesota <laughs> oh my gosh and and berries and here's the thing about minnesota and new york and these northern states is the harvest for during july august and september and october is extremely prolific and abundant mm. which means that at those times it's great for communities to come together and dehydrate and can and store those foods mm -hmm. you know, my mom grew up in Minnesota completely off-grid on a farm and they grew a hundred percent of the, their food needs on the farm Wow well they didn't even know permaculture they were using what is considered normal agriculture now with the permaculture principles you can, it's just, it's literally like what I imagine the Garden of Eden to be. Mm, that is amazing. So for, for us newbies, uh, maybe you could just re-explain what's the difference between conventional home gardening, like even people that are doing organic gardening versus permaculture. Yes. Well, I'll start by saying that everything that is taught in our colleges and universities about growing food and everything that most people know about growing food is completely backwards. And this is not by accident. It's by design. Fifty years ago, Henry Kissinger said, if you want to control people, control food. Control the food supply. Our food supply has been weaponized. It is one of the primary tools of our enslavement, along with this illusion of fear and scarcity. And so if that's the problem in permaculture, then we turn the problem into the solution. If the problem is a poisonous and centralized 
food supply, where basically one entity controls the whole food supply, and the entity's name is BlackRock. BlackRock is not only the name, it's the intention. By their deeds, you shall know them. Mm. And so then the solution is for us to design our yards, our community centers, our city parks, and our schools to be food-producing areas. And here's the kicker. It's less maintenance to maintain a properly designed food forest than it is to, to maintain a lawn. I love that. <laughs> As a person that has like not a lot of time to do stuff that I'm not good at it, okay? Uh, I love that because, like, I see people, they're, you know, I tried doing this, and my ex-husband was, like, really big on, this before he did the permaculture, really big on growing food and homesteading and the whole bit. I think guys go through this stage where they really go into homesteading. I wasn't really in there. I'm, like, city girl, right? I'm, like, buy me a condo. I'm perfectly happy. But anyway, so he's, like, well, I think you should go out and do something. And I'm, like, okay. So our neighbors had this garden, like a traditional garden. And so I'm out there, like, trying to figure out, okay, uh, I guess I have cilantro seeds. I guess I'll put it in a row. I don't really know what I'm doing. And I'm out there trying to water, <laughs> trying to weed it. And I'm like, man, this is a pain in the ass. Excuse the language. And, you know, and, like, I'm getting bitten by bugs. You know, and then I ended up with fibromyalgia soon after that, which is very interesting. So what you're talking yeah. about is, hey, when it's, per when it's actually properly done, not the way we were taught, uh, it's kind of like self-maintaining in a way. Yes, you have to maintain it, but it's not the crazy maintenance that we're used to. So my food forest in Florida here and my friends in Minnesota, if I left it for 30 years and came back in 30 years, it would not only be thriving, but it would have expanded hundreds, if not even thousands of miles. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! No, my possible people. That, that's that's amazing. That make sense. Yeah, but here's how it works: the birds will fly in, the wind, the rain, and the animals, especially the birds, and they'll eat the berries and the seeds, and then they'll fly out somewhere else, and they'll poop, and all of a sudden you've got a new blueberry, raspberry, blackberry, or all these different types of foods. It's truly remarkable how we've gotten to the point that we're at where our food supply is so limited and it truly all comes down to government intervention and corporatocracy. And again, I don't like to spend time on the problem, but to be aware of the problem and then to take that energy and focus on the solution is how we change the world and we create abundance everywhere. Mm. Yeah, that, that is great. Just, you know, I mean, people are, are trying to, to do this thing of gardening and like that, but um, I think if we don't make it, like, easy, and, and what you're saying is that na nature is actually easy. You know, we, we've, we've made this construct that you've got to work and work and work and work and work, you know, till the land, blah, 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 blah. Now, I you know, just found oh. out recently, tilling the land's really bad for it. So it's like, oh, my God. Yep. So, um, and in fact, I, and I, you know, for those of you that are local and you know what I'm talking about, um, I was very sad to, to hear about one of our local farmers who went bankrupt. Like, I, I didn't hear about it. I know he was driving six hours during the pandemic to feed New York City. I mean, just an amazing person. And, and I mean, I, I don't know his personal life. I don't know him that well, but we would, you know, we support him at the farmer's market and things like that. And then all of a sudden, he's not there this year. 
And uh, yeah. you know, we're asking around, like, what's going on? And so boy went bankrupt. And I just hurt. Like, oh, no. And he's like a young guy, right? Like, I love our young farmers. I, I give them so much love. Like, thank you, thank you, thank you for doing what you do because I can't do it and I don't want to do it and I just want to support you in doing yeah. it. Um, and I'm just wondering whether or not something that would be more, I know, I know it's hard to like, I don't know, maybe it's not hard to sell stuff, you know, as, as a farm, but, but maybe you could, you know, talk about that a little bit too, as a farmer. Yeah, it's the, exactly. So I'm not a farmer and I've never grown food in my life. <laughs> so the illusion is that we have to be farmers. Here's the thing. I'm a harvester. When I, so it starts with good design. That's the most important first step is to have a professional permaculture designer lay out the design that's perfect for people's zones, their microzones, their wind patterns, their shade patterns, how their house sits, if they have water or if they need to have swales or different things. All of these permaculture techniques to maximize the yield and efficiency of the landscape. So when I walk outside, I'm a harvester. In, in, in other words, instead of going to work and making money and then going to the store and spending that money harvesting at the store foods that are subpar, I just walk outside my door and I'll go to the chicken coop and I'll grab a bunch of eggs. The chickens take about five minutes every other day to maintain and they put 15 eggs out every day so it's, wow. it's an incredible resource we've got we've put a pond on our property we've got 14,000 fish we put in the pond and now we have sunnies and crappies and bass and catfish with three types of minnows and we use the water from our pond to fertilize and irrigate which is to fertigate our food for yeah that's it's cool so simple. yeah wow. and it's that's all automated it's on timer so we don't have to do anything. Oh my gosh! I there was something that was like, um, build your own like hydroponic system where the poop from the fish would fertilize the food, and and it looked amazing. I bought the design and everything like that, and I got stuck on the first step. You're gonna laugh, Jim. Okay, the first step was to get a what's it called a UB, UBC container or something, some yep. big white container thing, and you had to IBC. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you saws all the thing, you know, to make this thing. And I'm like, I looked at my house and I go, I actually don't have room for this thing. <laughs> Shoot. Right. right. And then it was like, <laughs> well, then you got to find the fish. Well, luckily we actually have a fish hatchery near us, but I didn't know, like nobody I knew knew anything about this. So again, <laughs> I need hand holding and I didn't have it. So it never happened. Sad. You know, but it never happened. and this is the thing I've, I've done a lot of these types of systems and the most profound thing, the biggest return on energy invested, energy and money, is building soil. The soil is the key to the, to, to the salvation of humanity, quite frankly. When we, we've been killing the soil, poisoning it, and harvesting it, and mining it for decades, when we start putting life back into the soil again and letting the soil grow the food, it's the interaction between the sun, the water, the soil, and the plant itself. That, that's where all the magic is. Once we design it right and start putting the right crops in that support each other and build soil, then we just leave it and we just harvest forevermore. Ah, okay. So, so 
well, I think, I don't know, <laughs> given all the wild plants around my place, I think the soil is probably okay. But what if somebody doesn't have good soil? Like, like where do they start? So we, I, I feel so blessed at how we started. Um, we're at Golf's Landing in Central Florida. And by the way, anybody who wants to visit, I do tours regularly Ooh. at uh, golfswalk.com. Yep. And we even have Airbnbs. Our wait, 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 where in Florida are you? In Central Florida, about 45 minutes from the Orlando International Airport. <gasps> no way. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to Orlando for a convention in, in um in October. I'm going to like figure out how I can get to you. <laughs> That's all for sure. And we have Airbnbs. We have these beautiful, completely off-grid homes. It's, it's amazing. And we're on a private 430-acre lake. But when we started, we had nothing but sand. We had Florida sugar sand. <laughs> so we started with what would be considered one of the worst starting places you could ever start with. And huh. 15 months later, our one-acre food forest can feed multiple families all of the healthy food they need. Wait a second. You say one acre? That's yes. not very big. No, it's not. There are multiple families that feed their whole family on a quarter acre. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So exciting. <laughs> it really is. It's about diversity. We have okay. 230 different types of food, and having the diversity in the system, which brings in the beneficial insects. And mm. then we have no problems. Like people say, well, what do you do about mites? And what do you do about aphids? And what you, we don't do anything. We, we have released other beneficial insects like ladybugs. And now we never need to do that again because now they're growing the dragonflies, which eat the mosquitoes. There's, there's hardly yes. any mosquitoes in our food forest because the dragonflies eat them all. So we use nature to solve the natural balance of things. Oh, that's great. Do you have a solution for black flies? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah, all the problems can be solved using natural systems. I think mm. it was Bill Mollison who once said, you don't have a snail problem, you have a duck deficiency. Right? <laughs> so if you got snails, then get ducks. It's so amazing to see. And then all of a sudden now you've got duck meat and duck eggs to, ha to harvest as well. Oh, too funny. Yeah, actually there's quite a few of my friends that actually have chickens, you know, and, and they have coops and then they, you know, they're like, oh, we're keeping them warm inside the house, but it really smells. And I'm like, oh, I don't have that much room in my house. And I don't know if I could have the whole house smelling like chicken, you know, like, you know, all these little things, right, I think about it and I'm like, mm, don't have the bandwidth to figure that one out. So then I just don't do anything. <laughs> Right, and that's where the design comes in. Yeah. The design solves all of that, and then we have installers around the world that install these food forests as well. Mm. Yep, that's what I'm looking for. In fact, I'm meeting her on Zoom on Wednesday, one of your people <laughs> that you've trained. So that's, that's exciting. So cool. <laughs> yeah, it's really, really cool. And um, there's a, a lot of us, you know, healer, helper types out here that maybe, I mean, I'm one of the ones that like has their own home and has that, this much land. And I can just see that like, what can one do for, with five acres? Like that's a lot of land, you know? Um, oh, uh, of course you have to save a spot for my outdoor skating rink. I don't know whether they'll design around that, but um, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah. Like, what do you do about the, uh, the like fish in the winter? Like, they won't they freeze to death? Well, if your pond is deep enough, then they won't. And then oh. there are ways to use your pond as a heat sink. So you can get these things called solar evacuated tubes, and you can have a simple solar pump that runs the water through these tubes, and it heats up the water. And you could have a certain pond that is fresh water all year long, even in cold temperatures. And then what that will do is it will create an environment that's a little bit warmer as well. Mm, okay. Yeah, well, on my property we have uh, this really, we, we had some drainage issues, so um, our first leach field was basically canned, um, and uh, we created a new leach field elsewhere. And unfortunately, or fortunately, however you look at it, basically the, like a lot of the property where we would be growing food normally, um, it has like the pipes and, you know, you're not supposed to put heavy equipment on it, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I'm not really sure where we would put the pond. In fact, I can't even figure out where to put the skating rink except over top of the old leach field, right? Because now it's okay to put, you know, heavy stuff on top of it. Um, so clearly I need that someone out here to explain it to me. Well, and that's, yeah, and that's what the design's all about. So the designers, uh, which you're meeting with on Wednesday for the first conversation, that they'll ask you a bunch of questions. They'll get pictures and videos, and they'll do Google Earth, and they'll check your agricultural zone, and they'll get all the details in, and then they'll be able to design wherever is logical. And the, the most important place to grow food is the closest to your back door you can get it. Now, for some mm. people, that's right outside the back door. For other people, that might be 100 yards away. But whatever makes the most sense according to your landscape is what the designers will design in. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, we do, you know, we had these natural uh, raspberry bushes, uh, and then the deer would come and eat them all. <laughs> um, and then now um, my husband, we, we found these this big, huge blueberry bush thing on the side, and there were a lot of other things growing in there, so he kind of cleared out the others, and then the blueberries are more, like, bigger, like, the, the leaves are bigger, so he thinks it's going to be better this year. So we're just, like, muddling around, just trying to, you know, I'm not seriously uh, expecting anything, but clearly the, there's food on the on the property. You know, there's there's raspberries. Uh, some years it's great, and other years uh, I don't know what happened to them all. Um, we blame the deer. We do have you know deer uh, you know trouncing around the property, and they love to eat uh, what we have, and yeah. and then we have rabbits, love and we have fox. Love rabbits and love foxes. Now, if you in a in a typical balanced world, there is an apex predator. And the apex predator is the steward of the land. It's the balancer. So in most landscapes, especially where there are a lot of people, that's us. So yeah. it's our job then to create balance. And maybe that means we eat some deer or some rabbits. Or maybe we, um, we, we put up a fence. You know, every fence is a built-in trellis. Fences are fantastic because you can turn it into a food fence where now you've got grapevines and passion vines and all the different vines going up the fence, and it looks green. It's, it's like a green wall of food. Ooh. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, because I, you know, certainly uh, that's one of the issues with gardeners here. They say, oh, the deer ate all my X, Y, and Z, you know. 
uh, or I had to build a fence because the deer ate all this or the rabbit ate all this or, you know, whatever. And that's part of the my resistance in the past. It's like, oh, I, can't, I don't want to figure this out, right? Because I don't want to, like, necessarily, you know, like, have to, you know, make this humongous monstrosity of a fence. Uh, but what you're saying is kind of cool. Like, you know, it's a built-in trellis uh, if you fence in a certain area. Now, we do have bears. So awesome. how do you deal with bears? <laughs> well, the, the, there's many different ways in the permaculture world to deal with every single animal that there are. And sometimes it's dogs. Sometimes it's inviting natural predators. Other times it's as simple as planting certain plants in certain areas, like mm -hmm. moles. They don't like different types of garlic and onions. <laughs> so you can actually put a layer, like snakes don't like lemongrass, mosquitoes don't like lemongrass, and other bugs don't. So we're putting a lemongrass border around certain parts of our property. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. And the fences are great. Okay, that's cool. Right now the bear is only interested in our garbage. Uh, but we have right. one of those uh, bear-proof garbages so it, it it kicks it around and then it gets frustrated and leaves um <laughs> uh so so but, but i'm just wondering like what if we did have a forest you know how, how that how the whether the bear would actually go there instead um okay well that's like really you live in a beautiful abundant place it is it, it really is the air is amazing here the you know it's the mountains and um we're not uh well actually Next door neighbors have like this um, environmental protection. Like um, you, you can't like mess with the the marsh, and the marsh sometimes would actually flood right into our garage, which was interesting. This is funny, Jim. We actually had ducks in our garage. They were floating around. It was so funny. I have video. Oh, I have video of, of these ducks right, and then outside, I took the video outside the garage, um, and they were just floating around outside the garage. I'm like, hi guys. <laughs> oh, so oh, funny. And then, and then next to this, like in the marsh area, we would hear peepers, and it'd be like so loud. You know, some some rainy seasons, so loud. We went out there. There was thousands of these little froggies, right? Yeah. Uh, just like peep, 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 like so loud, so loud. It was so funny. Um, uh, what's out there? So yeah, I'm I'm excited about this. Now, uh, you said that. So you're able to uh, install or the designers work with people in all sorts of countries, um, all sorts of landscapes. It could be sand, it could be the desert, it could be, you know, a marsh. Um, have you run into any challenges that were, you know, challenges for either permaculture or regulatory challenges? Well, okay, so both. Permaculture is a science of figuring out the solution to challenges. And millions of people have come together, and anytime if somebody figures out something, the first thing they're going to do is tell the permaculture network, this is how you solve this particular problem, and it goes throughout the network like wildfire. It's beautiful. Nice. Um, as far as regulatory, we're doing a lot by noncompliance. The government does not have the right to tell me whether I can grow food or not especially under their current circumstance of radical unethical behavior. So we are growing food very publicly. We're giving a lot of food away. We're building food forests for schools and orphanages and prisons and churches and everything. And 
we, if, if the government or any individuals come to our land from the government, our strategy is to, to first invite them to participate. If they choose they do not want to participate, then we're going to shine a light on them, um, the light of social media. And we are partners with generals and colonels and Green Berets and doctors and politicians and lawyers, badass. We've got an epic network of support. So Mm. the government, the individuals do not want to use enforcement and violence against people who are serving our community because, well, wicked people don't want to come into the light. Right. Right. Yeah, because you have this network, you know, and the support. Now, that's, that's huge because a lot of people feel alone and isolated. Um, and they feel like, oh, you know, they're like, well, I could get in trouble. Or, you know, what if somebody comes and knock on my door? I've got, <laughs> you're going to laugh, I actually have one of these signs that was going around. I thought it was so cute. I thought I'd put it up on the door. My neighbor thought it was hilarious. The sign says, if you are here to talk to me about vaccinations, it is a $50 an hour fee, and the fee is paid before we start talking. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was really I funny. I love it. Yeah. Uh, anyways, oh, my God. I had to buy, I had to buy the sticker because it was just so cute. Anyway. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, I got, yeah. got some funny looks from the UPS guy, but, but he gets it. <laughs> I love it. Oh you know, earlier you mentioned the, the political season that we're entering, and yes. we have designed it a campaign strategy that is going to change the world. And it's not a secret strategy. I'll tell you it right now. <laughs> it's, it's very logical. When a politician stops focusing on all of the problems and divisiveness and division, and they start actually demonstrating the solutions using this incredible energy structure that is a campaign, a presidential election, you know, for instance, Biden spent like $1.2 billion on his campaign four years ago. Wow. It's just mind-boggling. But so imagine some of these hopefully more ethical politicians running for president. Imagine when they go into the prisons and they say, they make the big claim, I am going to reduce crime by 50% over the next four years, and here's how I'm going to do it. We are going to implement permaculture slash gardening classes. The prisoners are going to grow all of their own food, and they are going to learn one of the most important skills in the world, and that's how to grow food without poisons. Now, that sounds like a big claim, the reduction of crime by 50%, but they've done it. When they had a program in California, three years, the recidivism rate for the inmates that participated for three years or more went from over 60% to under 10%. That's amazing. That's a world-changing statistic. Then imagine that same candidate going into the schools and saying, we are going to take the poisons out of our school lunches and out of our school properties, and the students are going to grow all of the food they need for their school lunches which is the most logical class that we could ever have in schools, and it also teaches accounting and entrepreneurialism and Mm. volunteerism and all of the most important fundamentals of a free and healthy society. Now, imagine a president that used the same resources that we are currently using to make the world sick and enslaved and uses those resources to free the world and create abundance, when that campaign is launched, and we are helping that happen right now, it's going to change the world. 
Wow. Now, what do you mean you're helping that happen? What does that mean? We have actually written the campaign strategy that will change the world, and we are, <clears throat> excuse me, we are pushing really hard to get this campaign in the hands of all of the ethical politicians. And I know there aren't many, <laughs> but the ones How do you even tell? Well, and, and so that's a great question, uh, Karen. And here's the point of the strategy is we've got this council of 12 world changers, world champions in different sports and generals and all these amazing people. And we are putting this strategy out through social media, and we are specifically calling on Bobby Kennedy and Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump and Joe Biden. And, of course, Joe Biden is unethical. That's not the point. The point is when we call on these people and we hand them on a silver platter a demonstrable way to solve the issues that they pretend to care about, then the <laughs> ones who step up will, will be the ones who shine and the ones who don't will be exposed for their wickedness. Ah, oh, yeah, so you make it freely available to all. Exactly. Uh, so you're not keeping it secret to any particular par politician of your choice uh, because, you know, these days it's yep. really hard to know who's not on the take and who's got, you know, yep. some sort of, you know, uh, they're beholden to somebody else or a handler or whatever. Like, like we, we yep. don't really know. Um, uh, like, I, I personally, I, <laughs> I, I, I don't mean that I'm necessarily negative, but I, I just decided I'm not going to um, support candidates money-wise, you know, um, anymore. Right, right. Um, that I'd rather mm -hmm. gift uh, money to somebody who I know uh, who's actually doing something, <laughs> you know, like real. Um, and that just means more to me. Uh, of course, oh my gosh, once you get on their mailing list, it's like inundated with, with yep. like their, their buddies going, hey, you paid, you know, 10 bucks to Marianne Williamson. Uh, give me a few bucks over here, you know, and I'm like, ugh. So uh, it's, it was kind of funny because I was, I, was, I, was, uh, uh, I was paying money to that campaign. My husband was paying, uh, I don't know if he actually paid money towards the Trump campaign or whatever, but um, it was funny because we were, but the funny thing is we didn't feel like we were like opposing each other. It was just like kind of a curiosity. What happens? You know, when, when we, we do right. this, but, but now I'd much rather like support people like you and, and doing what you're doing um, than politicians to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. And I, government is the problem. I mean, it literally is very demonstrable. You can see that corporatocracy, which runs government is the poison producers of our world. So that's why turning that problem into a solution or at least very publicly and transparently demonstrating that they're not interested in solutions will wake so many people up. And our whole intention is, and, and I've been asking versions of this question obsessively for 15 years. When we inspire a shift in awareness that leads to mass adoption of growing food without poisons in place of 50% of our 44 million acres of lawn in the United States alone, when we inspire that shift, we change the world. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And, and um, just to, you know, kind of like play the other side, uh, even though I may know the answer to this, um, so when people are, are facing 
a shift and they go, well, that's a nice idea, Jim. Okay, <laughs> even though you have plenty of evidence that it works, right, in prisons and schools and everywhere. It's like, well, that's you're a right. nice idea, Jim, but you're going to put farmers out of business. What do you say to that? Are, farmers are in the business right now. I love farmers. My mom was a farmer. I have always loved being on farms. And let's say it like it is. Farmers, the ones who use poisons on the land, are in the business of destroying our world. And that is not, and 99% of them are doing so because they simply don't know a better way and they're handcuffed to a dying system. We will give them, the first people that I invite to talk with us are the farmers. We will give them a solution where they can make more on one acre of land than they can on 100 acres of land while building life into the landscape. Wow. So you're, what you're saying is they do not have to take a hit. <laughs> They're quite the opposite. Yeah. Yes. In fact, we have a business model called the Freedom Farm Academy. And a Freedom Farm Academy, mm -hmm. we have one here in Florida. We've got them going up in Ghana, Africa, and Thailand, all over. And it's simply an off-grid homestead that produces all of the food, water, and energy on site. It becomes a nursery for the surrounding community, and it becomes an education and demonstration site with multiple layers of value to the community, which result in profits. So we will help any farmer. And by the way, many of them are taking us up on this. Any farmer convert to a poison-free environment that is beneficial on every level. Wow. What about my, my friend who, you know, who had a big, huge farm um, who's, who's bankrupt? Is there anything that can help him? Well, so now we're getting into this idea that somehow the banks, who never had the money to lend in the first place, are now saying, you didn't pay us back the money that we never had in the first place, so now we're going to take your property. So we do. We are connected with the freedom people, and I now have a trust bank account. All of my land is in trust, and even my ID and passport are not of the government. They're outside of that system. And so um, we help people go that direction as well. And when I say we, this isn't me. I, I just, I'm working through other people who are really good at this. I've hired them to help me, and I like sharing the message because it is the way. We need a debt jubilee for all the crazy, unethical debt out there. Yeah, you know, I, um, uh, I was introduced to uh, some of this stuff and uh, – just some of the wording we have, uh, our, our legal documents. Uh, there's so many things that I had no idea that we literally signed over, you know, uh, yeah. these, these private contracts. Um, and it just seemed like such a huge educational, um, let's just say time, energy to like under, really understand it. But at the same time, you know, we have a personal responsibility uh, if we want to be free. To, to know how it's actually working, not for us, and how to get it to work for us. So that's the other thing that I was um, interested in learning. Um, and there are several different teachers, so maybe later on you can tell us, you know, who you're working with. Um, but in the meantime, I definitely want to, forgot to do this earlier, I'm sure to share uh, the link. Uh, this is an affiliate link, guys, so in case you're interested um, checking the Food Forest Abundance, you can go to my affiliate link, which is www.caringcan.com forward slash Food Forest 
all one word, so karencan.com forward slash food forest. Um, maybe you can share with us, Jim, like what, uh, what will people find when they go to that link, the Food Forest Abundance link? Well, they'll find a community of people who support each other in the foundational elements of freedom, how to have faith and courage and how to stand free against insanity while demonstrating freedom. And that's what's so fun about inviting people to golf planning because when they experience the frequency and vibration and abundance of that land, of that setting, and they realize how relatively easy it is, then that's when they say, I can do this too. So basically it's a community with all of the functional components, the um, abundance ambassadors, the design team, the install team, the Freedom Farm Academy teams, and all of the social media players around the world who are jumping aboard this logical way of becoming free. Mm. Wow, wow, that's really, really amazing. Um, I, I, you know, uh, a lot of this, uh, one, of, one of the things I can tell you, Jim, because you, you would understand what I'm talking about, um, one of the things that I've had an issue with, with, let's just say, certain freedom movement um, advocates, uh, is that um, they're really focused on the doing part. So we need, you know, we need to make our own government, we need to do this, we need to create an assembly, we need to do this, and the money will be there. And, you know, there's this whole idea, which I don't believe anymore, uh, it could be real, but I just, I'm just not seeing it, so I'm just letting it go. Um, is like, oh, Nassara and Jassara is coming, and oh, we're going to have this money. And I think people get kind of lackadaisical, like I don't have to do anything, I'm just going to have to wait for yeah. this, you know, somebody to save us. So I'm so over that right yeah. now, it's like, oh, just get, like, we, but the, yeah. yeah, but at the same time, you know, people then go, well, i got to do something, right? So they're focused on the doing. So my interest has been like, okay, so if I'm going to, like, be interested in this, uh, this teaching or that teaching, or that, I would love to see that consciousness is at the, the, the keystone, if you will, of the whole movement, because without that, you know, it, it's um, the low vibrational stuff will not not that it doesn't in high vibrational. You nailed it. Will incur like uh, it'll be incursions, yeah. and it'll you'll it'll fall apart, and that's exactly what's happened to a number of groups, uh, because consciousness was not the number one thing that was the support. Yeah. It was all about what they did, learn the law, do this, do that, make this paper, you know, and they're like, well, be peaceful. I'm like. Well, yeah, I know how to do that, but what about the other thousand people? They don't know how to That's do that. That's so right on. I love it, Karen. So that is what I teach every day is presence. There is nothing more powerful than residing in the present and feeling the frequency. In fact, Tesla said it. He said, if you want to find the secrets of the universe, think in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration. Mm-hmm. But I think a word was missed there. Don't think in terms of them experience the present in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration. And when we can notice the frequency around us and within us and then start to be able to adjust that frequency and and raise that frequency, everything in the present is where all the answers are. Mm, That is true. Yep. I love it. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Really, 
uh, messages yeah. really resonate with with my people and uh, my tribe, and um, that's what we're about. And that and that's why it's it's been really challenging, you know, for for people that um, love humanity, who love making a difference, and um, they're not really educated in some of the things that you're educated in, and um, they just want to do good. And sometimes they'll follow somebody who they think is the right person that's going to show them the law or this or that. Um, but at the end of the day, um, there can be a sense of betrayal when that doesn't work out. And I realize nothing's perfect, but it sounds like you've really built something with a very solid foundation because consciousness and presence is that centerpiece. It's the centerpiece. It's the foundation. It's the only thing real in a way. You know, and I read a, read a lot of books and had a lot of amazing teachers. Every day I, I've, I've got teachers. And one of my favorite concepts is um, Napoleon Hill, who wrote the book Think and Grow Rich. He studied the most successful people in the history of the world, and he deducted after a lifetime of study, whatever the mind can conceive and believe it can achieve. Mm -hmm. That's a powerful statement. Yep. I love that one. <laughs> I was a big fan of The Secret. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it all comes together. Yeah, oh, that's so cool. Now, I know uh, one of the questions will be, and this might be you know, where we kind of wrap things up, but one of the questions will be, well, Jim, um, I'm on a budget. Uh, how is this going to work for me? You know, I, I've got a small home, maybe a small property. Um, like, uh, wow, I, you know, the designer, oh, my gosh, that's probably going to cost me a lot of money. Like, how, how is this actually going to work? So can you maybe answer some of those questions? I sure can. So for those out there who are on a really tight budget, it's not financial resources that matter. It's resourcefulness. Anybody can grow an incredible garden starting with $20. So 20 bucks and you go to the store and you buy food and you take the seeds out of the food. So you don't buy the food that has all the seeds engineered out of it, right? Buy food that has seeds and then go online and type in how do I grow tomatoes or apples or squash or pumpkins or zucchini or cucumbers in my area starting from seed and all of the answers are right there. The thing is that takes time, but if you've only got 20 bucks, then start with where you've got. You know, garden what you've got. If you have resources, financial resources, if you have land, then that's when a design will massively speed up time and it'll speed up and help people mitigate the issues that might come up for people who don't know how to build soil. Mm. Right, right. Yeah, because um, like I said, I, uh, I said to you earlier before we, we went on recording, I said I have more money than time at this point. Uh, so in the past, it you know didn't have much money at all, so it was all like figuring stuff out on on my own. But uh, right now, it, you know, if I stick to what I'm really really good at, right, <laughs> and let other yeah. people share their talents and gifts with me and what they're really good at, then we can kind of work together and um, yeah. see see this 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 is what I you know call heaven on earth, you know. Uh, actually manifest uh, in this really uh, powerful and uh, creative and natural way. So it's very exciting. Yeah. Very exciting. It's so, it's so much fun. And that's the fun part. There's no scarcity in the model. It's pure abundance. I've never been so happy, excited. I've never met so many wonderful people and had so many close friends in my life as I do right now. Mm. Mm. 
That is absolutely, absolutely beautiful. Um, so I uh, will figure out uh, where, I, where, where we're going is, uh, I think our, in October, um, the, our LifeWave convention for a few days is at, um, in Orlando, and then uh, the retreat I rented a B Airbnb uh, from a dreamweaving friend of mine, and, and he's in Cocoa Beach. So how far are you from Cocoa Beach? Um, I, I, we're in St. Cloud, Florida, about um, 45 minutes from Orlando International. That's all I know. I don't know exactly how far Cocoa Beach is, but okay, it's yeah, Central Florida, okay. and we, we would love to host you here for, for as long as you would like to stay. <laughs> yeah, my husband's like, well, we don't have the dog, so we can't go that long. So I'm already kind of yeah. testing uh, him for going for two weeks. But uh, okay, that's great. We'll definitely have to have to uh, meet you guys. Um, so again, folks that are listening in, um, check it out at uh, the link is www.karencan.com forward slash food forest. And that's my affiliate link. Lots of resources there. Um, stay connected. Get on the get on the mailing list. Um, you may notice that some of the other you know people and, and summits and you know things that um, we share in the light medicine community on Circle um, will have um, connections. You know with with food forest abundance. I think you'll see that name more and more and more as time goes on. Um, Jim, is there anything else you would like to share with our community before we say a formal uh, goodbye? Well, I'd just like to say thank you, Dr. Karen. Thank you to everybody listening. And it's time to lead. And the best way to do it is to live with faith and courage and self-reliance. Mm. That's so beautiful. Thank you so much, Jim, for being here on the show today. And, um, yeah, and we, we bless you and, and wish you well, send you lots of love and blessings. Uh, also, I'd like to thank our listeners for tuning in and uh, learning about uh, the exciting things happening in the world and the very positive things happening in the world like this. So again, the website, if you want to go to my affiliate link, it's karencan.com forward slash food forest, and you'll get to the link and find lots of wonderful information there as well as just a lot of inspiration as well and proof that this actually works, people. That's being a science person uh, and a science nerd. I really like proof, so that's what I love about this. Until next time, everyone. Uh, bye for now. Much love. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.